the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Locked on Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Hit me up on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. And make sure you find our partners, Boone Pickens State. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search Boone Pickens State for all the best Oklahoma State news, notes, and opinions. Joining me now, as he does every single Wednesday, former Oklahoma State Cowboy, Dion Imade. Dion, what's going on? A day late this week, but uh, how's the week been? How was the long holiday weekend? Man, it's it's been pretty busy, you know, having to, you know, run around and have some festivities. Got to go to go back to Dallas for for a couple of days and had a wedding to partake. Oh, you did in. have a wedding? That's right. How that, was it? Yeah, it was it was fun, man. It was a blast. Shout out to the to, to the Canayos and and their new nuptials. So, but other than that, back here in Tulsa, living the dream. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Uh, glad to be back today. So yesterday, Cade Cunningham had his first interview with local media, and he said some pretty good stuff. Kind of people have been waiting to hear him talk, and uh, he said that basically after the the sanctions drop, what really impressed him the most is the way Mike Boynton handled it. And and what he said is he said he doesn't think that there's any other coach. He, he doesn't know for sure, but he doesn't think there's any other coach who would call him and say, "Do what you want to do." I'm going to help you if you want to leave. That's what Mike Boynton told Cade Cunningham, according to Cade. And that's kind of what had been reported and what we all knew and what what Mike Boynton had said that he was going to do. But it really seemed like Mike Boynton's uh, willingness to just want to do what's best for Cade, regardless of whether that meant him winding up in Stillwater, is kind of really what convinced him to come back to Stillwater. So, um, you know, whatever else Mike Boynton said, it seems like he found the right combination of words to make Cade Cunningham feel uh, like this is where he belongs. Yeah, man. It was impressive. <laughs> you know, this, this has been the summer of Mike Boynton and all of our opinions, especially with the Oklahoma State fan base, the way he's just handled himself through all this adversity. And to hear uh, from a secondary source of how he handled himself was very impressive because of the fact that, hey, this is a guy who, and from what you heard from Cade, that started recruiting him as a freshman in the high school. I mean, the story that, you know, tipped me off on how, you know, Mike Boyd could see talent is he was the first one to offer young Cade. And, and he Underwood didn't even know. Without even, he didn't even know. Let's see if I can find the audio. Knowledge of it. I want to yeah, see if I can man, find the audio of Kade okay, talking about it. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, here we that's go. That's impressive. Here we go. Give me about, uh, give me like three seconds here. Make sure everything's year, turned on. There we go. Freshman year. Here, here's Kate. In the practice before any games. I hadn't played any high school games yet. Um, and we were in our, our preseason workouts, which is really just conditioning and stuff, but we played a little bit of pickup ball, and I had a teammate, Kyle Edwards. He's at Texas Tech right now, and he was the one that was getting all the recruitment. So, you know, I didn't come in thinking to even be recruited. I was just – I feel like I was just a freshman. So he came in, and um, he watched me a couple times, and he he walked up to me and just offered me. He was like, I want to, you know, extend you a scholarship to the University of Oklahoma State. Or Oklahoma State University, and I was like, like, what? And so he told me later on that Brad Underwood didn't even know that he was offering me. 
So <laughs> later on, and and now looking back, when I talked to Coach Underwood afterwards, Coach Underwood was even kind of like, well, I guess Coach Boyden really likes you. Uh, I guess we're going to recruit you. It's just a crazy story, but Coach Boyden, he believed in me so much early on, and I'm super thankful for that. Let me ask you this, Dion. After hearing that and after hearing some of the other things that Cade has said, I, I know, look, message boards aren't the most reliable place to look. The comment section on Twitter uh, is certainly full of a lot of hot garbage that, that doesn't need acknowledged. But, you know, you see a lot of people talk about the fact that uh, Cade Cunningham came to Oklahoma State because his brother was an assistant. That, and that's why people think that he came to Oklahoma State. Uh, by the way, that audio courtesy of Nate Fakin on Twitter, the great Nate. Uh, shout out Nate Fakin. But... Dion, doesn't it seem like it obviously is more than just the fact that his brother is on staff with the way that he talks about Oklahoma State and Mike Boynton? Oh, for sure, man. I mean, like, think about this. Like, I put yourself back into your own shoes when you were a freshman in high school. And oh, think man. about all the things were new and overcoming and the fact that you were just trying to get on the field as a JV player. Not nonetheless, make it on the varsity squad and nonetheless get offered. So, I mean, you, you always remember that first girl, Kobe. You always remember that first girl. And for Cade, Oklahoma State was that first girl that ever showed him any kind of love, interest, or attention. And because of that, there was a strong bond and a strong relationship built. And not only that, but the guy who – offered you when he was an assistant that showed you that love, that showed you that first inclination that, oh, you could be somebody someday. Before all these 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 these, these scouts and these, you know, these these websites even started ranking him, he was, this guy said, Hey, you're gonna be somebody. And turns out he turned out to be the number one recruit in the nation. But before all that, this guy showed me love and turned out he turned into the head coach now. I mean, it all it was just all magic that turned into perfect storm. Hey, caves in Stillwater. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, you, you know, to hear him talk and to hear him talk about Mike Boynton, I just love the idea of assistant coach Mike Boynton getting back from a recruiting trip and telling Brad Underwood, oh, by the way, I want to let you know there's a 14, 15-year-old in Florida, uh, and I offered him. So just so you know, we've got one of our offers handed out in Florida to a 14-year-old. So I love the idea of how that conversation must have went. Yeah, man. And, you know, there's so much things that can happen between freshmen and senior year, and there's so many things. I mean, we're seeing it right now. I'm pretty sure a lot of these seniors that are in high school right now did not think that a pandemic would happen and they would never, ever get to walk during their graduation or go to a couple, go to a, a prom or, or, or anything like that. But, you know, everything happened the way it was supposed to, and, you know, now hopefully we, we get to see Cade put on that origin black and, you know, you know tear up some some Big 12 teams in Gallagher-Iba. Yeah, if we don't, there's going to be a lot of very, very upset Cowboy fans. Uh, Dion, why don't we take a break, come back on the other side, because a lot's happened since we last spoke, uh, including a pay cut uh, and some changes to the contract of Mike Gundy. So I want to get into all that on the other side. Everybody stay with us here on Locked on Pokes. Welcome back in. We are back on Locked On Pokes. Colby Powell and Dion Imade with us. You can hit him up on Twitter at Dion underscore Imade 28. No, I said that wrong, didn't I? It's Dion Imade underscore 28. Oh, there you go. 
Yeah, Dion Amade underscore 28. Hit him up on Twitter, Instagram, uh, wherever, and uh, hit him up with your thoughts on Oklahoma State. Uh, wanted to ask you, Dion. So, Mike Gundy obviously has had a, let's call it tumultuous offseason at Oklahoma State. The uh, the COVID press conference in the spring back in April, and then the, uh, the OAN shirt and some of the stories that ensued. Obviously, it's been... It's been kind of a tough summer for Mike Gundy, and now he has voluntarily taken a $1 million pay cut, uh, which is certainly, I think, a good move PR-wise at, at the very least, especially with COVID happening. Uh, you know, I saw down at OU, any coach that makes more than a million is taking a 10% cut um, to save money as everyone tries to figure out what they're going to do throughout COVID. But it, it's not so much the million that got my attention, uh, Dion. It's the fact that the contract was shortened from five years to four in the uh, the rollover contract. And also the buyout was reduced from 75% of the remaining contract to 50% of the remaining contract, which is a big, big deal whenever you're talking about one year shorter and 25% uh, cheaper on the buyout. So by no means do I think that this is like setting the, the scene uh, for him to be let go at Oklahoma State. No, no, I, I still think he's going to be the head football coach at Oklahoma State. But after the probe, they determined that he needed to invest more time on his relationships with his players. So just what are your chances on everything? Uh, not your chances. What are your thoughts on everything over the last week uh, with Mike Gundy, his contract, uh, the internal probe that determined he needs to invest more time with his players? What are your thoughts on all that? Man, first of all, it was, you know, it, it was a good move on his part to go ahead and, you know, give back the million dollars and, and, and the extension because those things like money in this world, it, although it, it gives, it gives you a lot of power, but it just, it says a lot about you. And when those things are public, when coaches make what they make, it says, Hey, you're making this kind of money because you're a, an upper echelon type of coach. There's tier one, tier two, tier three, and it just puts you up there as far as legacy and who you are. And it just says what type of coach and how appreciated you are. Well, this summer, I mean, as good as the summer as Mike Boynton has had, Coach Gundy has had the opposite. And because of that, it kind of knocked him down a, a, a notch, un, unfortunately. And because of that, the money represents that. And I think Coach Gundy saw that. He saw what, was being said about him, how the other players have reacted and the, the nation has reacted. And he says, well, if that's the case, I'm not of the upper echelon type of coaches that just, that should be getting this type of money now. And maybe I can work my way back up to that. And with that being said, it's going to have to do with what you just stated, the relationships with the players. Not only the relationships with his current players, but the relationships with the former players. Because believe it or not, former players help you recruit as much as current players do. I mean, these are the guys that have graduated that are making money now and come back to the facilities and come back to the to the you know the tailgates and the organization and the and the games and they and they they have their foot into communities not only because of them being Oklahoma State football players but local legends where they're from and from their high school so when those kids who 
you know, watching them play high school ball, come up, come up to them and ask them, hey, how you doing? Da, da, da. How do you like your time at LSU? They speak volumes about the program. And so it's very important that we get back to, you know, realizing that and, you know, involving these guys into the community once again at Oklahoma State and for Coach Gundy to, you know, recognize that and continue and furthering and improving his relationship, not only with those current players, but with former ones as well. Yeah, no doubt. I agree with everything you said there. And I think one thing that I would add, I think the comment that he made back in April, uh, whenever he said that we need to get guys in here because we've got to run money through the state of Oklahoma. And he said that while at the same time saying that he's not in a position where he feels like he needs to take a pay cut. So I felt like whether he intended it this way or not, and I'm sure he didn't intend it this way, but the way it came off was that the players were a means to an end for an economic purpose. And then whenever you hear about a disconnect between players and coach, I look back to that comment and I'm like, okay, good move to take the million dollar pay cut because even that big Yahoo article that came out a couple weeks ago, you, you know, it talked about the fact that it was not lost on the players that their head coach said that a, he wasn't willing to take a pay cut uh, and B that he needed to get them back in there to run money through the state of Oklahoma using them, you know, kind of for economic purposes. So I thought that that was a big first step in, in trying to regain uh, the, the trust and everything of the players, because I thought that, that those comments in April definitely probably rubbed some guys the wrong way. Uh, so I think that this was a good first step in gaining that trust back. Yeah, definitely. And and when here's the thing, I think, and I'm not trying to read Coach Gundy's mind or, or portray anything that he doesn't mean to say. But in my in my heart, I think those comments were you know kind of coming from the foundation of we all know that there's not very many times where you see and look at a roster and say, hey, this team has an opportunity to be something special and do something special during the season. There's a lot of football as far as at this level is is more about X, Joes than X's and O's. And so when you see your roster and you're like, man, I got an opportunity here to have a good team this season. And I think Coach Gundy was kind of, you know, looking at that and saying, man, please don't let the season go away because I have an opportunity here with this team and this roster. And so so with that being said and with that being on his mind, I think he made the comments that he did. Unfortunately, it it wasn't the right, you know, you know, statement to make at that time. But I can understand where Coach Gundy's looking at this roster and we all know this could be a very special team. Yeah, no doubt. That's a great point. I, I really didn't think about it that way. But, uh, you know, with all the talent that Oklahoma State has, 19 returning starters, the grad transfers that are coming in, um, I, I do want to get your thoughts uh, on a couple things after the break before we get out of here. One, a retirement on the Oklahoma State offensive line. Uh, and number two, I want to get your thoughts on the Ivy League's announcement yesterday and kind of how everything is progressing with COVID yeah. because this is still something uh, that's very real that we're dealing with. So we're going to talk about that and then we'll get out of here on a Thursday. Stay with us on Locked on Pokes. Welcome back. Wrapping things up here on a Thursday. Colby Powell and Dion Amade with you here on Locked on Pokes. 
Uh, and Dion, I want to ask you about Dylan Galloway, uh, something I really haven't even gotten into. I was, I was off for a week prior to yesterday, and then there was so much going on yesterday, I didn't get into it. But the starting left tackle for Oklahoma State, Dylan Galloway, has retired from football due to injuries. Um, and, and Dylan Galloway said, quote, I'm done with football. I was getting hurt so much, and I felt like all of my injuries were piling up to where they were affecting me too much on and off the field. So first things first, you wish the absolute best to Dylan Galloway, and I never, never fault a guy for taking care of his health. Uh, but Dion, your thoughts, you know, you were a collegiate athlete. You had to deal with injuries throughout your career. I know that that stuff can be really tough. And uh, Dylan Galloway, who was set to be the starting left tackle once again for Oklahoma State this season, has announced his retirement. So uh, what, what do you think about the retirement and how it impacts Oklahoma State? Yeah, man, my heart goes out to him uh, big time because, I mean, just like I stated before, it wasn't lost on any of these players that they have an opportunity here to do something special this season at Oklahoma State uh, with all the talent they have coming back and for Dylan Galloway to look and, and, and see everything that he's been through and know that it just it's not a possibility for him to be a part of that because of the state that he's in and how much he's been through. I mean, people don't understand. And from a guy who's had to deal with some injuries myself, it's just, you have no idea. It's not the getting hurt part. It's the, it's the recovery process. It's the rehab. It's the coming back. It's the aches and pains throughout the season that you have to deal with. I mean, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. It, you got to understand what these players go through. I mean, you think they're young and they'll bounce back and everything, but there's so many nicks and pains throughout the season that you have to go through. And for him to, to just realize, man, I think I'm, I might be holding the team back by playing, or for him to realize that it's just too much for me to endure physically and it affects the long-term health of my body. I, I, my heart goes out to him, and, and I respect him on the decision he had to make. Yeah, I think that a lot of times fans look at these guys, these football players, and they're all so big and so strong, and they go through Coach Glass's program, and they're out there every single week, and, and they seem like warriors. But like you said, I mean, football is a very physical, very painful game. And even in weeks where you don't get injured, I would imagine, you know, once you get through the non-conference, everybody's playing to some extent hurt, bruised up, banged up a little bit, uh, you know, rolled an ankle here and there, and that stuff just adds up. It, it's like, you, you know, one little bruise turns into two and three, and then you, you, you twist something the wrong way, and now you get to the middle of the season or late in the season, and all of a sudden, you, you feel like you're playing um, at, at half the speed that you were earlier in the year. So, uh, you know, most of the comments that I saw on this Dylan Galloway story were great wishing him the best of luck so I think it's just a reminder to all of us who don't play the game just how tough it is physically um, and how much um, you know you all you played at Oklahoma State how much you all go through every week to have your bodies right to go again the next Saturday yeah man so many people play for so many different reasons but it all adds up to being out there for the glory of the game, man. That glory is so beautiful, it almost brings tears to your eyes. For me, knowing how much glory there could have possibly been ahead with this season coming up, and knowing that he's giving all that up because it's just too much for him to endure, just says a lot to me, and it makes me feel for him and everything that he's going through and everything that he's been through, and hopefully he has a successful life after football.
Yeah, because no doubt. he's done a lot for this program. Yeah, no doubt. He's been unbelievable. Uh, started 14 games for Oklahoma State, and we wish Dylan Galloway the absolute very, very best. Uh, all right, Dion. before we wrap things up today, I want to get your thoughts on what the Ivy League announced today. The Ivy League became the first uh, Division One conference to say that it will not hold sports this upcoming semester because of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, the executive director of the Ivy League came out and said the campus policies make it impractical for competition to occur at least through the end of the fall semester went on to say it's certainly the right decision for the ivy league but it is difficult uh the coronavirus still a very real problem that we are all dealing with and all still trying to figure out how we can live some semblance of a normal life while still keeping everyone safe and the ivy league has now said prior to january 1st they will not entertain uh any sports now they have said that fall sports could potentially be played in the fall uh not in the fall in the spring of 2021 but that is not a decision that's been made yet. So, Dion, this is the first domino that has fallen. Now, we're all hoping that bigger dominoes don't fall behind the Ivy League, but this is certainly an attention-getter uh, whenever you look at the fact that this could be uh, the first and there could be more to follow of conferences deciding that with the policies they have in place on campus that it's not feasible to send these student-athletes out on the field. Yeah, and here's the thing about that domino with the Ivy League. That domino is a little too far from any of the other dominoes in collegiate sports just because financially it's not the same. Now, we're hoping that domino doesn't fall and the vibration doesn't cause the other dominoes to fall, but this domino doesn't touch the other ones. For the fact that Ivy Ivy League doesn't even offer, you know, Scott, like, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, and if somebody can look this up and, and tweet me about this later. But I, the Ivy League doesn't offer like full scholarships to their athletes. They offer different types of stipends, a different type of stuff, but they don't offer full scholarships to their athletes. And the reason they do that is because they're more focused on education. And these guys, you know, athletic budget isn't you know affected as much into the university because they're. They create money and generate money so many other different ways, and their endowments and, and different stuff like that are so much, you know, greater than other state and, and public schools that it doesn't really, it's not the same. It's, it's really, their athletic doesn't affect the university the way uh, Oklahoma State or a Baylor or a Texas would. It's just so much different in the Ivy League than a, a a normal conference five team is the money speaks volumes and they fundraise and people, their donors donate money for their education, not because they're sports. And it doesn't affect it. They don't have the same threat on their hands. That's why they can make that decision. Other schools, no sports runs the pride of that of that university and that's the reason that donors come back and they, they give money and, and different stuff like that so it's different because they're ivy league and because of their endowment and because of the way they fundraise very different i don't think this affects you know conference five uh, and their decision making yep. in the least bit 
yeah, power that's, five. No, that's, uh, those are all great points about how different it is in the Ivy League than it is in the Power Five. And, and like you said, this is a far away domino and it's a small domino. So hopefully uh, other things don't follow. But man, I saw another story yesterday that was kind of depressing. So Stanford, I mean, we all know Stanford. Stanford, they've got some money. That This is not uh, a school that's hurting for money. And they announced yesterday that they are cutting 11 of their 36 varsity sports that are offered. They're cutting men, men's and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co-ed and women's sailing, squash, synchronized swimming, men's volleyball, and wrestling is getting the cut at Stanford. So it, this is already uh, a financial preparation for all of the the lost revenue that they're anticipating at Stanford. I I don't know, man. This this coronavirus, this this COVID response, and everything—it's just constantly evolving. So you never know exactly what you're going to get day to day. But uh, that, to me, is maybe even a bigger. A bigger signal than what the Ivy League is doing is the fact that Stanford is cutting 11 sports, including men's volleyball and wrestling, which are, you know, obviously not football, not basketball, but still pretty big deals. So uh, something to keep an eye on across the country, whether whether schools start to, to cut programs and cut sports uh, due to a lack of funding. But we're all just kind of trying to figure it out day by day, Dion. I, I really don't know what's going to happen over the next two months as we approach football season. Yeah, the two that you you said that really kind of shocked me was the men's rowing and the female rowing, you know, squad were being cut because, I mean, you can, the only reason I know this is because I watched the movie and I did the research afterwards about, uh, what's that, the Facebook movie. Uh, yeah, social, yeah, 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 yeah. Social, social, uh, the social rowing network. Is, yeah, rowing is such a big thing in those Ivy League you know, big, smart schools because that's how they compete with each other. Rowing is their thing. And so for Stanford to say we're doing away with that kind of, you know, keeps like it, it signifies to them that they're not one of those top Ivy League smart schools because all the smart schools compete in rowing. I don't know why it's there. I don't know why it's their thing. It, it just is. You remember those big twin, twins on social network being the big rowing dudes on campus. It's a big thing for those, you know, you know, prestigious schools. And for them to cut that from the program says a lot. 13, 4, I'm counting how many uh, rowing scholarships are on roster. Uh, looks like about 25, roughly. Roughly 25 hmm. rowers on roster at Stanford. So, yeah, just very tough as everyone tries to figure out uh, how to deal with this and what everyone wants to do. But, Dion, we are out of time for today. Great stuff. As always, we're a little closer to the weekend. So, I'll tell you, have a great weekend. We'll do it again next week. And hopefully we're closer to football season. Absolutely. Hopefully we're closer and not further away for, to football season. All right, that is Dion Amade. Joins us every week here on Locked on Pokes. Remember to hit up our partners, Boone Pickens State, on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening once again to Locked on Pokes.